This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Now in our second decade of bringing you the best independent New York Red Bulls news and opinion with your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Joe Goldstein. For the first time in a number of games, the Red Bulls don't actually play to the final whistle. They cough up a late goal and they cough up two points against the Philadelphia Union that hopefully will not come back to bite the team down the stretch. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Tonight we go inside the the 1-1 home draw with Philly last week. We'll give our Bull of the Week for the match. Preview as Inter-Miami flies up, jets up in their Golden Balls jet to uh, take on the Red Bulls Saturday night. We'll go around MLS. Uh, Tom Bogart, our guest of MLSsoccer.com and MSG Networks and, and your emails uh, and news of returning players as well. I'm Mark Fishkin. I'm here with Joe Goldstein. Hi, Joe. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? You know, I, I've kind of fallen victim to the summer cold this week. Oh, terrible. I don't know if you can hear it, but just uh, I, I think everyone, as they ventured out of their house, they're hopefully they're vaccinated, they're not wearing masks, and easily 40 to 50% of the people in my world have either contracted this or have shared uh, this kind of summer cold. So, you know, and and it's made me put my mask back on when I go into stores because yeah. I, I don't want to share this with anyone. It's it's really not so fun. Do you mind if I make a, a quick joke? Go for it. So I guess the Red Bulls weren't the only things coughing. Oh, uh, no. I, <laughs> you and the Red Bulls were both coughing things up this week. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the Red Bulls take a one nothing lead against Philly. Uh, they then concede on... I mean, is it a freakish goal? Can you call it that? It was a, it was a very tightly angled goal off the head of Sergio Santos past the post and past Coronel uh, with five minutes to play. Uh, let, let's talk about what we didn't like in this match, uh, New York's first home draw of the year, and then we'll talk about maybe what we did like. Uh, Joe, you want to kick us off? Uh, the first thing that I, I did not like about this match, and I think probably the thing that sticks out uh, most of all is that uh, at the entire back line uh, seemingly is getting injured every second of this match. It was it was very difficult to watch an already uh, uh, thin back line experience more um, uh, injuries and more problems. Uh, you know when you're when you're bringing uh, Mandela Egbo in to close out a game as the center back, that's probably a bad sign. I think he's done fine for RB2, but I don't know uh, if he would be anywhere near uh, the top of the depth chart for the first team. And so seeing him have to come onto the field because everyone is hurt, that that's just, it's not good. That's not a good thing. No, it's definitely not a good thing. Uh, I didn't like really a continuation, and we talked about this at Spaces at Halftime, of what we saw in the first half, which was seven shots on goal and only one of them on frame. And... In many ways, Philadelphia uh, being incredibly tenacious on defense, blocking shots, really preventing New York any truly good looks. I mean, it was a, this was a negation match, as we, as we had talked about. And Philly went successfully over the top a couple of times in the first half. Luckily for New York, uh, Philly's forwards seemingly unable to control themselves, make quality passes in the box, which is a challenge that they've been dealing with over the last couple of weeks, but it was not pretty again in the first half. Uh, And one of the strangest 
dog so coals I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Matt Freeze grabbing the New York Red Bulls as they're trying to run past him to, to, to score a tap-in. Um, and good for Klimala. Klimala grabbed that ball. He went right for it like a dog with a bone. He's like, no, 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 no. A week after I tweet that I want to score goals, no one else is possibly taking this penalty kick. <laughs> yeah, and it was in- incredibly sure. well taken. But what I also didn't like was New York's play after the goal. I, I really honestly echo Struber's comments when he said, I think that we were hopeful to get another goal, a second goal, but we weren't really pushing all that hard for it, Joe. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe part of that was expecting uh, Philly to come out a little bit more and uh, and to press, and they did do that, but... Um, in order to capitalize on that, you have to then uh, be looking to make those breaks and to hold some possession further up the field. I think the team in general just looked fully gassed after uh, a, a, you know a difficult road swing, um, and we're just hoping uh, against hope that they could hang on, especially as everyone on the back line was going down. And, of course, it's Tolkien who is so important and so vital to New York Uh, keeping Philly off the board for 84 minutes is rolling off the field as the goal is scored. Did did you feel that that was uh, fair play by the ref to to let play continue? It's fair play. He rolled off the field. He should have stayed off the field. (laughs) It's, it's, it's one of those things like uh, we've seen it a number of times uh, where a player is maybe injured uh, or something's going on. Or and then, shithousery going on. Yeah. And the, the, the other team uh, uh, is is fully able to take advantage of those situations. It's a little bit disappointing that they do. I'm thinking back to, like, the Revs scoring mm, a goal yeah. while I think it was Kamar Lawrence was down. Yeah. Uh, you know, all, all those kinds of things. Uh, or not kicking the ball out when a player's down injured. Tolkien, maybe uh, a couple of years, he'll be a little bit, Savier, we'll note it. Well, actually, you know what? He should <laughs> that should teach him a lesson. He should know from now on, uh, stay on the field if you're going to get hurt at the end of the game. I mean, to uh, be fair, he was really he was jacked up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it's if true. he had not rolled, he would have remained on the field. Yeah. And I don't know how you tell a kid who's just been you know totally mauled that no, no, roll to your right, not to your left. <laughs> in that That's position. right. Um, let's talk about what we did like. For me, it was uh, Patrick Lama's confidence on the penalty kick. That was incredibly well taken. Yeah, and it's what you want to see from, like you said earlier, it's what you want to see from the guy leading the line. You want them to grab the ball, uh, ball and go up and take that shot. How many times have we seen over the last couple of years? You know, actually, let, let's go back for for the full decade. You know, Thierry Henry, he misses a couple. He shies away, doesn't want to take the penalty kicks anymore. Bradley Wright Phillips, same thing. Uh, Sasha Kleshin, same thing. So it was nice to see uh, Klimala uh, uh, feeling confident enough, even though he's struggled to uh, get good looks on target. I think he's had so many good looks, but he, he struggles to keep them on target and uh, still have that confidence and still be able to uh, um, you know, stake his claim to it and, and get the – Hopefully the juice is flowing uh, as he's now, that's his second goal of the year. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, The other thing that I liked in this game um, is, again, and it's a little bit unheralded, although I think people for the most part are starting to notice, uh, especially fans of the team, 
but Sean Davis mm. is having probably his best season as a Red Bull. And uh, I'm, I am absolutely here for it, whether he's, you know, breaking up plays in the middle of the field, uh, uh, protecting the back line, distributing the ball without uh, a, a large number of turnovers. He has slowly developed into uh, a phenomenal captain for this team. And I love to see uh, how well he's playing right now. Yeah. And, and for me, agreed 100%. And for me, uh, it's token all the way. It makes the MLS team of the week. Um, and during the, the media call today, he noted, he said, yeah, it was a surprise. Some, someone mentioned it to me in practice. Uh, but frankly, I was more concerned about giving up two points at home, which is exactly the right answer you want out of your young left back. All right. Uh, so New York, um, home draw again, not great against Philly. Philly just seemed to me to be, you know, this is where Philly's veteran side came out, right? They're a, they're a veteran team, even down a man, uh, knew that they, they were going to have a chance to, to steal a couple of points and they did. And so, uh, you have a bull on a night when New York gives it up late against Philly. Yeah, I mean, you look across the board. He's got second most uh, uh, key passes on the night, the most tackles, or he's tied for the most tackles, uh, the most interceptions. you got to give it to John Tolkien. Fantastic game from, from the youngster. And, you know, at this point, you look at uh, Andrew Goodman and you think, is he going to be able to get back on the field? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question. And uh, there <laughs> – Schubert was a little coy today talking about all the, the challenges he has in terms of having a healthy back line. He did seem to indicate that, that Tolkien and Amr Tarek will be ready to go. Uh, wasn't asked and didn't answer about Gutman, but yeah, I think it's going to take a lot. And when you think about the structure of the team, you think about the focus of the team, you think about the players that Tolkien has shut down, right? Give it, you know, laying it on Nani, um, obviously has a, a big challenge against Iguain coming up this week, but he's not afraid to play against anybody. His distribution is phenomenal, um, and he's not getting beat uh, from a speed standpoint. And you have to think, if if I'm Struber and Thelwell, do I want to continue to highlight a guy that's going to go back to Atlanta next year, or do I want to continue to see where this young star, younger, younger star, homegrown star can grow and maybe generate some offers for him. Um, yes, his pro career is just getting started, but the, the sky's the limit for Tolkien. So uh, well done. Well done, young man. Let's, uh, let's talk about this week's opponent. That's Inter-Miami CF. Plays in Fort Lauderdale. Not getting into the maps. Not about the maps. Saturday at 7 o'clock at Red Bull Arena. You know, remember how we talked about that all those times you're playing Orlando and playing New England, playing Nashville, um, playing Philadelphia, playing these teams toward the top of, of the Eastern Conference dogpile, that eventually the time would come where the Red Bulls would play some of the teams at the bottom half of the conference and New York can get well and climb, climb the ladder quickly. Well, that, that's this week. Saturday at home against Miami, and then Wednesday we're going to talk about it uh, at Toronto in Canada at, at BMO Field. The 13th, 14th and 13th ranked teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, Miami is 2-7-2 two, two, for eight points 
They are 13th in the MLS East, nine points and six places behind the Red Bulls. They've scored nine goals in 11 games, and they've conceded 17. And Miami has lost five matches in a row in which they've only scored once. Now, if you've been listening to this show, either since 2010 or 2015 or 2020 or 2021, you might think that a certain phrase would be coming. You're not going to get it here. This is a team that uh, that boasts Gonzalo Higuain, three-time Serie A, three-time La Liga champion, Blaise Matuidi, World Cup champion from France. I- I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek, but Ryan Shawcross, who played over 450 times her Stoke. Breck Shea. This is a team that has talent. And whether the talent is actually fit and healthy in 2021 or it's more like 2015 talent, um, there is certainly talent here. This seems like a very old-school way to build an MLS team in its second year under uh, new GM Chris Henderson and under first-year coach Phil Neville. Um, Here's a probable lineup. Uh, Nick Marsman is a 30-year-old Dutch keeper who played over 140 times in Eredivisie just signed at the start of the transfer window from Dutch Power Feyenoord. He should start in goal. Kieran Gibbs, 31-year-old, former English international, left-sided defender, 180 appearances in the Prem for Arsenal and West Bromwich Albion, 39 Champions League appearances, and a three-time FA Cup winner, most likely will start, and we'll hear from Tom Tom Bogert later today about uh, that he might get thrown to the Wolves on the field. This team has LGP from uh, Argentina and Atlanta, a known quantity. Uh, Brexche, as I mentioned, has a goal. Uh, Gregor, central defensive mid from Brazil. Jay Chapman, Canadian international with a uh, former international with um, an, an assist. Lewis Morgan from Scotland, a goal and assist. And, and Iguain, who famously recently said that he thought he was just going to come to MLS and smoke a cigarette and score goals. Um, (laughs) The poster child for over 30 internationals determining under their own volition that, oh, I actually have to play in MLS. Five goals and an assist. Um, All-time New York and Miami have only faced each other twice, each team winning on the other's home field. New York won 4-1 to at Miami last September 23rd. That was the wonderful week with the back-to-back 4-1 to wins, Miami-Montreal. Miami came back at, at RBA on October 7th, and, and Iguain bent a free kick past David Jensen in the 81st minute to give Miami the win. We should see Caden Clark back. Um, Struber confirmed it earlier today that Clark may not, may be ready to start, may not make him off the bench, but he's certainly healthy a number of weeks on from his emergency appendectomy. And Red Bulls in Miami, you know that New York walked off the field unhappy after dropping two points. Miami, I'm, I'm going to say it, is a much lesser opponent right now than Philly. Yeah, I mean, easily that that's true. But that doesn't mean that they're not dangerous. They do have players, uh, that, you know, like you mentioned, uh, who are savvy veterans who can take advantage of mistakes that are made. And that's, that's always going to be the story of the Red Bulls as long as they stay in the high-press system. If they're going to make mistakes – they're almost always going to be punished for them. 
the good news is that Miami is a team that likes to uh, sort of attack in that um, uh, 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 down the wings and keep the ball wide. Uh, the Red Bulls have excelled against teams that have tried to do that against them. So maybe we'll see them come inside and try to take advantage of if, if Caden Clark is out there, obviously he's not going to be fully fit. So maybe they'll try to take care of, uh, 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 of that or, or use the space that he might leave available. Um, but uh, at the same time, while they attack down the wings, that means that they are vulnerable that way. If they can pull the center backs out of position, if Klimala and Fabio are able to, uh, run the channels, open up space down the middle. It's going to leave room for guys like Caden Clark or Caceres to get underneath, to make those late runs into the box and to make Miami pay. It'll be interesting to see how these uh, newcomers affect, uh, I, I guess, the flow of the team and whether or not um, their uh, individual quality will be enough to overcome some of Miami's uh, 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 um, lesser qualities. I think it's the <laughs> nicest way to say that. Um, but, this is a game that's set up very well for the Red Bulls. And if everyone uh, can remain healthy and to keep their head and not mis- make mistakes, this is a good candidate for a win. I, I think that you're saying that as politically correct as possible. <laughs> I'm, I'm really going out of my way not to say it. Yeah. Uh, my, I had failed to mention Miami also recently signed Indiana Vasilev, the 20-year-old youth international, U.S. youth international winger out of the IMG Academy. He was, he's on loan from Aston Villa where he has not been able to break through with the first team nonetheless. So, all right, before we go to predictions, I do want to mention that uh, I'd mentioned earlier, New York will actually be traveling to Canada on Wednesday, uh, July 21st to take on Toronto FC because that match has been moved to BMO Field due to a, a teeny tiny opening up of, uh, of sports venues in Canada. If you're a hockey fan, you know that Montreal was able to play some of their Stanley Cup games um, uh, at, at the Bell Center there. Um, only The rule is only fully vaccinated players and staff are excluded from Canadian quarantine requirements. I didn't have a chance today to confirm um, with Struber that everyone will be available. We'll definitely ask him uh, post-game on Saturday night. Uh, MLS this weekend for for a, uh, a a slate happening during the middle of the Gold Cup, it's really uh, a full speed ahead. Adla- terrible Atlanta, who apparently Gabriel Heinze is keeping Joseph Martinez away from the team, Josie Altidore style, hosting the Revs. Yeah, that's great news, isn't it? Um, <laughs> your uh, best player is uh, forced to the side. Uh, not good there. Uh, you got to expect the, the Revs to get the win here, but I don't know. Maybe this is a trap game for them. The Revs ha- are on an 0-2-1 uh, run suddenly. They've kind of cooled off a bit. All right, and they don't have Tejan Buchanan, and they don't have Matt Turner, who's with the U.S. Columbus Crew hosting New York City. This is a 6-8 uh, a and a, a six and eight in the East facing off against each other. I think this is going to be a draw. All right. Uh, Philadelphia hosting DCU in the hit a meteor uh, hit a stadium with a meteor game. Philly is the better team here, but I think DCU has looked pretty good under Lasada. Uh, uh, they're on the road; they're going to lose. DCU is three one and one in their last five. Philadelphia is one one and three. Hmm. Montreal, red hot Montreal, unbeaten in five, hosting Cincinnati. 
who has lost only once in their last five games. Uh, I still think that, that they'll lose this one. Montreal getting out on the break against Sitsi is going to be really tough for them. Uh, so I'll pick them. Toronto hosting Orlando. Uh, at that performance uh, uh, last time out, you know what? I'll, I'll tip them. They'll, they'll get another win here. Nashville facing off against Chicago. The Fire with two wins and a draw in their last three, getting off the mat. Yeah, and I've liked what they've done. I think that they could cause trouble. I think this is going to be an upset win for Chicago. All right, let's shift to the West. Colorado hosting San Jose. Colorado fourth in the West, 3-1-1 one, one in their last five. Missing some of their best players, but I still think yes. they'll be able to get San Jose. Dreadful Vancouver and Brian White hosting the Gals. Uh, this would be a fun upset. I don't expect it to happen, but you know what? I'll pick I'll pick Vancouver here. All right. Uh, LAFC, who apparently is above the line. Yes, they're fifth. They've won three out of four. Maybe LAFC is rounding into form, taking on RSL. And RSL has not looked uh, no. as dangerous as they were. Uh, I'll say this is a draw. All right. Portland, uh, down to ninth in the West, hosting FC Dallas in a game against two teams that usually are battling in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I mean, I hate to pick so many draws, but I think this one uh, has draw written all over it as well. And Joe Goldstein's team of destiny, the Minnesota <laughs> United uh, Loons, hosting Seattle. Who and no not only beat. not only destiny, but this is also the game that kicked it off. Uh, yes. Minnesota taking on Seattle, and I picked Minnesota to win. Um, should I be insane and say that again? Uh, yeah, I think Seattle hasn't played as well uh, uh, lately, and I'll I'll pick Minnesota. <laughs> It's right. a bad idea, but, you know. And, bad idea. And our game, the Red Bulls hosting Miami Saturday night at 7 at Red Bull Arena. I like the Red Bulls' chances very much in this game. Uh, we got to see what team uh, is, is out there and if the back line can go without uh, getting hurt. But I'm going to say this is a 2-1 to one win. I'm going to call it a 3-0 win. Uh, I'm going to be even bolder than that. I think New York... Uh, giving up points at home last week is going to be ready to go. I think Phil Neville knows that uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and um, they haven't faced the press like this uh, with their older, tired legs, and I think it's going to be one-way traffic for New York. Before we before we drop I, I, and bring on Tom Bogart of MLS Ecker, I just want to note that the East is tightening. And, yes, uh, you know it's very, very easy to note that from – Third place to ninth place is only separated by four points on the table. But as I mentioned, Cincinnati unbeaten in four. Chicago has is unbeaten in three. DC United has won three of their last five. These these three teams um, are are helping to keep everyone close together. And you know, say what you want about New England pulling away. New England's only three points out of Orlando, and they haven't won in three matches. And Orlando's lost two in a row. It just seems like you know, the, these two next matches for New York, as I mentioned earlier, are must-wins. They're must-wins for New York to get uh, higher up on the table because they've, they've got to stay in the thick of it. All right. Uh, when we're back on Seeing Red, Tom Bogert of MLSsoccer.com. Keep it here. Hey, everybody. It's Mark. Seeing Red listeners can find branded podcast merchandise for the first time in a long time at our new shop on TeePublic. T-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and magnets with the Seeing Red crest are available at terrific prices 
and new designs are coming soon. It's easy to find our new shop. Just go to our webpage at seeingredny.com and click on the Seeing Red Shop banner. So listen, wear, and support Seeing Red. Thanks so much. And now, back to the show. Back on Seeing Red New York Soccer Roundup, getting ready for the Snowbird Derby between the Red Bulls and Inter-Miami. And when you have a chance to hitch your wagon to a man that will soon be gracing everyone's TV screens talking soccer from coast to coast, this is the time to get in on the ground floor with Tom Bogert, uh, freelance writer at MLSsoccer.com, who made his uh, MSG Network debut on the pregame show last week talking to uh, Michelle Dringus. Tom, how are you? Welcome back to Seeing Red. I'm good. That is uh, overly kind and, and, and probably misleading, but look, I'm not going to correct you here, so, so thank you very much for having me. How, talk to us a little bit about how your first television appearance went, my friend. <laughs> uh, better than expected, uh, because I set the bar pretty low for myself. Um, in, in a quick series note, the, the, the folks at MSG could not have been kinder, could not have made it easier for me to be in a position to succeed, and, and thankfully I didn't drop the ball there. But uh, yeah, I'm not, not going to lie to you, I was a little nervous. It was, it was, uh, it was very warm. It was very humid. Very I had to drive through a literal flood uh, in Hoboken to get to Red Bull Arena, um, and then problems with parking. So there's, there's a few hurdles that might have made it a little bit more difficult and, <laughs> and gave me a couple more two things to think about. But, you know, I thought that was pretty fitting. I was laughing before the game. Like, this would be honestly a tremendous bit if yes. like, my, my, my pregame show debut is for a game that ends up getting postponed or severely delayed. <laughs> I thought that that would have been poetic, and I would have enjoyed that a lot. But it only ended up getting delayed for what ten or fifteen minutes. MSG was showing like a poker rerun for ten minutes before they came back to the game. So you know, it, it would have been funnier if the game was supposed to kick off at eight and didn't kick off till eleven. But uh, I think it went well enough. Good. I'm glad they weren't you know paying you by the hour <laughs> just for that that one uh, keep you on board. Let's talk about these Red Bulls. Um, you know, it seems like every week there's another test where. We all find out, you know, are, have they made the jump, right? Are they ready to go from young, scrappy team with a lot of promise to a team that might even be considered a contender in the East? And you know, you'd have to say after jumping out to a one nothing lead, maybe maybe against Philly, they didn't really pass that test. I mean, I guess I, I look at it more in the positive light. And, like, I'm going to be straight up with you. I, I, I was wrong about this team. My, my preseason outlook, I, I – not only did I think that they were going to miss the playoffs for the first time in a decade or, or how exactly however many years it's been, I didn't think it was really going to be close, quite honestly. I looked kind of at this roster. You know, there's there's some pieces to like. I, I was really intrigued by Fabio, but who knows how the, you know, second division in Brazil is going to translate to MLS. Um, I, I wasn't entirely sure how quickly Gerhard Schruber was going to make this team look like his. And, you know, to their credit, they, they've been fantastic. And, and again, it, it's, what, 12 games into the season, yeah. and I'm – if I have long decided I was absolutely wrong about that. So, you know, it, it's that, I guess, puts it in a uh, position to be disappointed by the result against Philly. <laughs> um, I think that comes down more to just kind of the, the back line at the end of the game. Look, like Tolkien went down, who was already, you know, second choice to start the season. He's been fantastic this year. Um, you know, obviously Aaron Long is long gone uh, with, with his injury, which, which was already a, a light position for the Red Bulls. Omar Turek went, went down, or Amro Turek, rather, went down during the game. Uh, so what, what the back line was was Edwards playing center back, uh, Pendon at left back, and Egbo at center back when they conceded. Like, I, I'm not sure how much I'm going to pin this loss on on you know big time disappointment or a poor performance because when they went up a man, I was particularly impressed that they they kept their foot on the gas and they were looking for a second goal rather than you know let's hold what we have or hey let's change our identity and try to be patient in possession 
or whatever else that they stay true to themselves and they try to kill the game off. And sometimes it doesn't happen. That that equalizing goal is very disappointing, but but I kind of choose to look at it and you know look at that back. That back line is not going to play probably another minute together the rest of the season. So like I think that was more of a one off than anything else. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> and and to be frank, Tom, I mean for a team that has had this many injuries on the back line to still be at five hundred playing the teams that they have played, it, it's been something like five or six consecutive matches. It feels like against teams all that have been above the line and they're finally going to get a little bit of a break now with matches against Miami and Toronto. Miami comes in to, to Harrison, a complete and utter catastrophe. Yeah. There's no two ways around it. And, you know, Phil Neville is, you know, I give him credit. I've been on a handful or a decent amount of their, their press conferences. Um, and, and he's tries to do his best at motivating. He tries to do his best at not making excuses and, and saying the right things. But, his, his, his one today was pretty much just like, look, there's, there's no more excuses. We just need to win football matches. And, and, you know, I, it, when I was listening to him, I was like, yeah, like that sounds like, like a good idea. But then when you see it written down, it's like, <laughs> we need to win football matches. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah you can see he's kind of like, not out of ideas, but out of things to say. And yeah. because he doesn't want to talk about luck. He doesn't, whatever. They're, they're just bad, like, man. And, and, you know, Kieran Gibbs is po- uh, possibly able to debut. And Neville was even said, He's not ready to play, but we probably are going to play him. Like, so that's just kind of the state of, of where Miami are. Like, this one, if, if the Red Bulls don't find a way to get three points, you know, I don't care who's out, who's in, you know, that, that would be, you know, a really, really bad sign if they're not able to kind of beat this team at home with the way they're running, even though they had a little bit of a break and, you know, they're due, I guess, if you want to look at it positively, they're due to get, you know, some points here or there. But Miami coming in on a six game losing streak, just looking really bad during the time Ryan Shaw Cross at the back and, you know, whatever else that they're kind of piecing together. That's just got to be three points, no questions asked. Struber actually said when asked today during his presser that he's really not focused (laughs) as much on what Miami might bring. I think correctly in that, that his own team has to play up to its potential. And if that happens, uh, you know, good things will probably go. And then then on Wednesday, a trip to Canada, the, the first trip to Canada, by any MLS team, including Toronto FC, they're going to Canada as well uh, for for some time. And you know, obviously, that's a club, Tom, that is also a massive tire fire, and <laughs> just trying to figure out what the next step is moving forward for that club. I can't remember off the top of my head. The Red Bulls haven't played Toronto this year yet, or, or no? They, they have a one nothing home win against them. Okay. So I was going to say, if, if this was the first time they were playing them, that would have been unfortunate because they didn't get them in their really, really bad run at the beginning of the season. And, and they're really, really heavily injured. But, like, you know, I still don't think that, that they're good until they prove otherwise. But, like, you just could look kind of up and down that roster. They're going to be able to start Pozuelo and Soteldo. Um, Iowa I- Acknoll is obviously gone. Josie Altador is working his way back in the team. Like, this is going to be the first time that they're even able to select all three DPs. And, again, that doesn't mean that – the Red Bulls shouldn't be favored or shouldn't expect to win. But, like, I think that the worst is behind Toronto. Um, you know, I say that mildly cautiously. It's just, you know, based on I, I thought that multiple times during their their poor run. So um, I, I guess it, it could be easier for when you play them. But, but, you know, as you kind of said off the top, the schedule's easing up a bit. And, and these are the games we really need to pick up points for. You know, again, I think the Red Bulls are, are not going to be struggling for every single point to stay above the playoff line based on how they've played. But you can't bank on that. And, and if – Let's say they draw and lose or take two draws or, you know, drop points. You look back at the season and you go, ah, oh, man, like Miami and Toronto, the two teams tied for last 
in the league and we took two points or we took four points and it should have been six. And then, okay, we finished eighth instead of, you know, seventh by three points. And it's like, all right, you can look at a lot of different results throughout the season, but you know, there'd be none more than, than a couple of these games against these teams. You talk a little bit earlier about Tolkien, who frankly has been an absolute revelation. My guy. Just phenomenal story. Uh, You know, a kid who's second on the depth chart, he's 18 years old, and all of a sudden, if you're Struber, when you've got Andrew Gutman coming back, uh, eventually from injury, you have to think, wait a minute. I mean, I, I've got now another potential sale uh, across the pond to one of our sister clubs or somewhere else. I mean, he has completely opened everyone's eyes this season, uh, playing very well against some very seasoned uh, opponents. Yeah, look, he, he looks like a veteran. You know, I, I he was highly rated, obviously, and, and, and he got some seasoning in with Red Bulls two over the years. Last year, I was thinking that that he might, you know, not this. It, it's unrealistic to expect this from a kid his age. But like, he, he, he was he's a very talented player. That that's not something that should catch anybody by surprise. But level of consistency with consistency with which he's playing, the level of like, usually with with young fullbacks, it's okay. They're doing great in attack, but you know, they're they're caught out defensively. Like that was kind of George Bellow at the beginning of his career. Even right. Sam Bynes, like he's somebody who's more known for his defending than his attacking, I guess. But, you know, even when he came up, this is what happens with young defenders, young fullbacks. Like, Tolkien's been super solid going defensively. He's, he's like, you never kind of worry about him in one-on-one, which, which is, again, a rare thing for a kid his age at that position. And I love his personality. Just by, like, I've, I've made, you know, numerous jokes on Twitter lovingly about, you know, the the mullet and the headband. And then now I, I respect the Slim Shady look. I love the, the hair dye. I was joking on, on MSG, you know, I, I need to start this campaign, like, if this kid needs to grow a mustache, it's just, I, I, yes. I will, I will see that, that, you know, market to him and I will, I will be his number two. I will gladly be his number two. You know, and uh, as we've seen in photos from training this week, the slim shady look has drifted across to right back <laughs> Kyle Duncan. Um, one by know. one is going to go through the team and I, and I love it. And I'm so here for it. And I hope, to, oh, I hope desperately it happens. And you just hope that then at that point that not only Royer gets back on the pitch that he's able to grow it in <laughs> a little bit so he can do it as well. Um, th- thoughts, L- let's uh, drift away from MLS for a minute. Let's talk about uh, the Gold Cup. Uh, as we record, the U.S. are about to get their second match uh, underway with Martinique. Um, <clears throat> curious what your thoughts are, A, of, of what we've seen out of the U.S. so far, and you know if this team falters at the semifinal hurdle or the final hurdle, uh, is USMNT Twitter going to commit, you know, gory Harry Carey or are cooler heads going to prevail and realize what this is actually for? That's a great point. That's a great question. I'm not sure because it, it I mean, I guess it depends on, on a couple of the, of the USMNT Twitter favorites, how they play, you know, maybe if, if Busio Williamson, Sands and, and, you know, a couple of these younger guys play well, would they be okay with, with, you know, a semifinal loss or something like that? But they were they were not encouraging against Haiti. No. Um, probably, I guess, in retrospect, shouldn't be surprising. Matt Doyle wrote something really good of kind of putting it in perspective. Like, look, here is all the opening games that the United States have played in the Gold Cup. And it was just like all these games that you expected to win by two or three goals, they were really struggles. So, And, and against Haiti specifically, too, in, in previous iterations. So, you know, I think I was trying to put that in, in perspective and context because, like, I walked away from that game, you know, just really disappointed and, and not thrilled. But and, and again, it, it's it's the first game of the tournament. There's plenty of time. You know, if they beat Marnique tonight or, uh, by you know what, however many goals, I'm not. That's not going to fix anything. And, and I think that the fan, or hope the fan base are mature enough to realize that you know, again, if they win seven nothing, like the same way that they beat 
Trinidad and Tobago's uh, C team seven nothing in January. That right. you know it doesn't really mean much. I mean, it's good. It's better than not winning seven nothing. But you know, I we won't we won't know more about this team until they play Canada close the group stage. And the way that Canada looks and, and the players they have and the system that they're playing, like they're going to uh, have a lot of problems. Like I think it'd be really odd. Like again, not no disrespect to any other teams. Again, I'm, I'm I think Canada are awesome. But the the goal, not not just the goal, the expectation, the, the bare minimum has to be for this United States team. Every single Gold Cup is topping the group and getting to the final. That has to be the expectation. You're not going to hit it every single time in every single tournament. It's, you know, things happen sometimes, but it's a, you need a win, a culture of winning, and you can't just accept being all right. Well, we got second in the group stage. Whatever, it's going to be okay. Like I, I think that that's part part of the the equation here, and it's it's finding the balance of look. Winning doesn't necessarily mean any mean everything. If if you know you're sacrificing players, like like if you, if you didn't bring Busio Sands or some of these guys to bring, you know, 25 year olds who are never going to get you know with the full team when a full uh, uh, pool is available. But also like we're not here to just progress. It's not a U16 academy team. Like every right. single game, they should be expected to win. Before we let you go, 12 games into the season, I'm going to give you a list of uh, Eastern Conference teams, and you're going to tell me which one is not going to make the playoffs. You ready? All right, let's do it. Uh, well, you can just give me a yay or nay. Uh, uh, Club de foot Montreal, playoff team or no? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to say no for them off the bat, or, I'm gonna, or you're going to ask me who's going to make the playoffs, and before we know it, I'm going to have 11 teams. So That's I'm all right. Have to go, no. uh, Columbus Crew, cur- currently below the line. Yes, yes. DC United one point below the line. Oh, that one's a tough one, too. Check back with me in two weeks, but for now I'm going to have to say no. Atlanta United FC. No. Uh, I, I think the rest of the – I mean, I'm going to say New York Red Bulls then. I would say yes. And like I said, that, that was part of me being feeling proved wrong. And, and maybe, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit to the early part of the season, but I think that all of this that they're doing is sustainable. And, again, this is coming from someone who – you know, I'm not just trying to pander to a Red Bull podcast because I've already made fun of myself that I thought that they weren't not. They, I thought that they were going to be kind of more Atlanta's position right now. I thought Atlanta was the team that were going to adapt to the new manager quicker. And, you know, again, I'm wrong because I'm an idiot. Uh, or you put yourself out there with a take and you're <laughs> man enough to say, yeah, I was wrong. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think you were alone. I mean, not alone. But listen, um, we really appreciate you spending the time with us tonight. Tom Bogert, MLSsoccer.com and other preeminent soccer outlets and uh, a, a wonderful debut on, on MSG Network on the pregame. Thanks so much, and we'll catch up with you later this season. Thank you very much for the kind words. Can't wait to be back. All right, we've got more Seeing Red coming up after this short break. You're listening to Seeing Red. Back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark and Joe, uh, two must-win games against... On the standings wise, very poor, poor opponents in Miami and Toronto. Let's go. We, uh, we've got two emails this week. It's seeingredny at Gmail. Drop us a line anytime. Joe, you've got the first one. All right. This one's from Philip Salen. Uh, I hope I said that correctly. Scholars of RVNY, Harrison, New Jersey. Since ESPN Plus in their wickedness is restricting me from watching the last two, uh, Red Bull games, the win against Orlando and, the Mark Fishkin predicted draw against the Union. Well done, Mark. Uh, I watched RB2 uh, against Hartford, which for about 85 minutes was excellent. Cameron Harper, clearly in the Struber doghouse, was clearly 
Red Bull 2's best player. Extremely dynamic attacking uh, uh, and the best player on the field for either team. It seems sort of crazy that he isn't playing for the first team. Any possibility of redemption for this uh, Red Bull player? And bonus question, though I do think that he is a quality MLS right back, Tom Edwards was at fault for the goal that New York Red Bulls gave up against Philly and is not such a good central defender. Any possibility of any of our regular CBs getting healthy again or any reinforcements? Thank you for the amazing podcast, Philip Salen. So let's do that first one about Cameron Harper first, Mark. What sure. Do you, think? Uh, you know, New York is awash in attacking players right now, especially with Caden Clark coming back to full health and playing. And so the question you have to ask is, who are you sitting to put Cam Harper on the field for? Um, we all saw the challenge that Harper faced in the match up in New England the first time when he was put on the field and pulled right off. Uh, I don't know if it's an attitude problem for Struber. I don't know if it's a performance problem. I don't know what it is. But the one thing I'm happy about is that Cam Harper should be bossing the USL, right? And Cam Harper should be making it very, very difficult for Struber to leave him off the lineup. Uh, but at a time when New York's each of New York's attacking shuttlers, wingers, or even forwards bring something slightly different to each match, and so far every match has been pretty tight. I, I mean, every match that the Red Bulls have played, I mean, they've lost by one goal, by more than one goal once or, or maybe twice, and forgive me, right? The L.A. loss uh, and the loss, uh, one of the losses against New England, perhaps. But... You know, he, he and and there's been um, you know, backline injuries, but I think that that Harper should continue to absolutely blow it up at USL and and send the message to Struber that way, Joe. Yeah, I'd like to push back a little bit on the Cameron Harper uh, blowing everybody off the field for RB2. Mm. Lots and lots of talent has the opportunity to ice the game and make it 3-0. Uh, and doesn't. He uh, took too many touches, maybe didn't realize how open he was. Uh, but that's the kind of moment that I think really defines him as a player right now is he's got a lot of talent. Uh, and uh, he is more than happy to run at defenders and to, to get down the line. But his decision making is not quite there yet. And until it is, I think he's going to struggle to get minutes for the first team. Uh, and once he's he's got that, I think maybe a little bit of work on the defensive end wouldn't do him any harm. I'm I am glad that he looked uh, pretty good out there, and even in the seven zero loss, there were flashes where you could see uh, Harper um, has that special something that you always want to see in players. But he's he's definitely not there quite yet to um, sit anybody that's that's playing right now, and certainly not with. Um, uh, the way that they've played that diamond in the midfield. Now, if you're going to start him up front, that's maybe a little bit of a better uh, place for him. Um, I could see him coming off the bench and, and running it back lines like that. But again, you got guys like Barlow who um, probably not getting enough credit for yeah. uh, his, his cameo uh, appearances. Yes, he has not put the ball in the back of the net, but he's done a lot of very good things when he's been on the field. Cameron's not quite there yet. I think he'll get there, though. And Tom Edwards not being good at CB. I mean, is he at fault? Uh, probably a little bit. I think in general, uh, everybody uh, could be questioned there. I think Egbo and Edwards were definitely not on the same page when the cross comes in. 
Um, but the good news is Tom Edwards shouldn't be one of our best CBs, right? Yeah. He should be uh, on the outside. Hopefully everybody will uh, uh, be healthy soon. Um, and we'll get back to seeing a back line that doesn't need to feature one of our fullbacks. Right. And, and let's consider, absolutely right, let's consider where on the center back depth chart Tom Edwards and Mandela Egbo are. And I think yeah. the answer is fifth and sixth. And, and oh, sorry, go ahead. Right? Yeah. And so you're finishing a game against a top opponent. You've lost Amr Tarek. John Tolkien rolls off the field. And that's going to happen in the 85th minute of a game against a veteran team that is that that views the Red Bulls as their top rival. Frankly, they they re revel in taking points away from New York right now. And so uh, in the 85th minute on a hot, steamy night when you're literally in a in a knife fight and this game was a knife fight. This was physical and people hitting each other off the field and lots of time writhing around on the ground. I mean, this, this, was, this, was a, this was a derby match. It felt like a derby match. And, yeah, mistakes like that are going to happen. And, and you have to also give it up to Sergio Santos. I mean, that was a phenomenal inch-perfect finish around Coronel off the post and in. So do I do I believe that reinforcements may be coming as a center back? Yeah, I mean if I am Thelwell and I'm thinking about who do, what do I what do I need right now to bring in for the rest of the year, it is absolutely at least one healthy center back. But consider it's got to be a Red Bull way center back, right? And it's not it's got to be a person, not just a player. That's the way they think about it. We're not just plugging holes with any old guy. It's got to be someone that's going to be able to get forward when need be. It's got to be someone that's good with their feet, given the press. It's got to be someone with speed that's going to be able to chase down balls over the top. And they're looking for the complete player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we can be upset about Tom Edwards not playing that one ball at that one moment incredibly well. But, again, it's held together with string and, and uh, masking tape right now. You got to give it a break. All right. Here, thank you for the note, Phil. Here's Frank Pfeiffer who says, Hey, Mark and Joe. So for all your jokes about not getting your game predictions right, Joe, I thought you were going to be right about the Philly game basically up until Philly scored. And Mark, I hate that you were right. After watching that game, I felt nothing but frustration for our, for the guys. It was an even first half, but it was our second half for sure. Nice to see how comfortable Klimola looked at the spot. He looks hungry for goals. Fabio was on his game in the first half. Sean Davis was great, probably my man of the match. Edwards was a beast, but unfortunately couldn't stop the goal. Duncan was consistent again, giving nothing for Philly on his side and had some nice crosses. Tolkien was performing well, but did get a little bullied. But that big tackle on Bedoya first half was fearless. Lastly, Coronel was coming up big all night. I don't know how he could have saved that goal. The header literally bounced off the post. I love what Struber said after the match about being disappointed with the result, but not the performance. He just wanted more urgency to put the game away. Leading to the next game against Miami is a great opportunity to show how well the team can make that happen. Miami is all L's in their last five. We are at home against an opponent the team is expected to beat. Can we find the urgency to make the game ours? I think we can with the right confidence and hunger that I'm sure Struber and the team are working out. Frank, Section 128. Not necessarily a question, but a lovely note. I guess the question, if there is one, Joe, is can we find the urgency to make the game ours? Yeah, I think, I think you got the break in between. 
you have uh, hopefully some um, bodies making their way back to the lineup. I think that breather was more than needed at this point in the season. That was a really tough gauntlet that they ran. Yeah. Uh, they did a, a fairly good job considering. And yeah, I think uh, you've got a team in Miami that is desperate. Uh, they're going to want to uh, break out of the funk that they're in. Doing it a- against the Red Bulls, I think, uh, would be huge for them. Uh, and so in that moment, when you listen to, to Sean Davis uh, in those all-access videos talking to the team beforehand, uh, I think that this is one of those times that you're going to see uh, it's not going to take much from Sean. You're playing against uh, world-class uh, players. Yes, some of them are, are past their prime for sure. Uh, but these are, are guys that uh, stepping on the field and playing against, there's there's got to be some amount of, of magic to that for, for these players. And so I don't think it's really going to take a whole lot for them to get up for this game and to want to put their stamp on it and to uh, get back to winning at home where we know in MLS it is the most important thing in the world is to win your games at home. Um, I had mentioned earlier that the Red Bulls had lost more than one game by more than one goal. I was incorrect. Um, New York has only lost one game by more than one goal, and it was a 3-1 loss in New England on May 22nd. Uh, As much as we were talking about the two games, Miami and Toronto, New York actually starts three games in eight days, home for Miami, at Toronto, and at D.C., uh, and then home for New England. (laughs) Ah, New England! Um, They'll get a chance. So again, truly important to get three points this week and next Wednesday. And then the the first uh, old school 96er derby of the year against DC United. We've come to an end of a terrific episode of Seeing Red. Thanks so much for Tom Bogert for stopping by once again and dropping some knowledge. Joe calls Saturday night's match a... 2-1 win. I'm going to call it a 3-0 smackdown. Uh, and what may, I'm not, I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to call it a three, nothing smackdown and not make any more editorial comments about this match. I think it's going to go very well. If New York is able to get out of their own way, uh, they should win the match, uh, for Joe and Tom. I'm Mark saying, Hey, thanks for listening to episode 458 of seeing red. We'll be back soon. Everyone. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Seeing Red. Get us anywhere you get your podcasts and always at seeingredny.com.